action. <laughs> All right. So, so today we're going to be doing part two of the previous uh, video that we did last week. There was so much to it that when I went back and looked for even smaller details and for my own self, I actually decided to do a part two because there was even more interesting information that I found in the lava and in regards to tarot that I wanted to share it. So, um, because it goes into a lot of specifics about the, uh, some of the archetypes, how it's structured and how some of the archetypes actually, uh, pull on us a little bit in certain circumstances. And that's really important to know when we're going through our daily life and, uh, more specifically learning how to uh, embody some of these archetypes uh, for those specific situations. So, um, so let's start with, this is session 77, question 12. Okay. Um, so without kind of repeating what we went over last time, um, let's kind of get into this specific question. I am asking with respect to this particular logos, our sun, in creating the experience of its planetary system in those sub-logoi of it. So logoi is, of course, your pl plural of logos. Um, and Ra answers, the query has substance. We shall begin by turning to an observation of a series of concept complexes of which you are familiar with the tarot, okay? Uh, the philosophy was to create a foundation, first of the mind, and then the body, and then of the spirit complex. Those com concept complexes you call the tarot lie then within three groups of seven. The mind cycle, which are archetypes one through seven, the physical complex uh, cycle, which is archetypes 8 through 14, and then the spiritual complex, 15 through 21 archetypes. The last concept complex may be termed the choice, and I'll go into more about this in a little bit because this was uh, kind of blew my mind a little bit when looking at my own decks that I have, and then um, kind of comparing to what they say is uh, number 22, which is the choice. Uh, upon the foundation of transformation of each complex, the free will, uh, guided by the root concepts offered in these cycles, the logos offered this density, the basic architecture of a building and constructing and synthesizing data culminating in the choice. Now we know the choice is really prominent in third density. We make a choice on whether we, we want to serve ourselves or we'd like to serve others and create a community uh, of like-minded serving others, uh, individuals. Um, so let's go on to to kind of talk a little bit about the magician. Let's go back to my screen. Okay. Yeah. So this is session 78, question 11. Uh, I'll have plenty of time to kind of add in my own comments on this because I've got so much I might have to make a part three. Let's see what we can get through tonight. Um, so the question was, 
could you elaborate, please, on the nature and quality of the matrix and the potentiator? So potentiator, of course, means to make something move. You know, when you say someone's got potential, like they could really do a lot. Um, and raw answer is in the mind complex, the matrix may be associated, I'm sorry, may be described as consciousness. Okay. Um, it has been called the magician. So how do you use your own consciousness to, um, you know, affect the world around you? And of course, we would have to really understand the choice on whether we would like to do that for serving ourselves or serving others. Um, it is to be noted that of uh, itself, consciousness is unmoved. The potentiator of consciousness is the unconscious. So the unconscious is what makes the consciousness move. This encompasses a vast realm of potential in the mind. Okay, your subconscious, your unconscious creates the potential of what your mind can do. Uh, in the body, the matrix may be seen as the balanced working or even functioning. Note that here the matrix is always active with no means of being inactive, which is, um, yes, okay. The potentiator of the body complex then may be called wisdom, for it is through judgment that the unceasing activities and uh, uh proclivities of the body complex may be experienced in in useful modes. Goodness. Uh, the matrix of the spirit is what you may call the night of the soul or primeval darkness. Okay, so that is our, our catalyst of the spirit. Okay, that's our dark night of the soul, things that really make us draw energy uh, from uh, the spirit or um, you know, the energy of that. So to really make it through what we need to. Again, we have uh, that which is not capable of movement or work, the potential power of this extremely receptive matrix, that's the spirit, is such that the potentiator, okay, which is the unconscious, may be seen as lightning, in your archetypical system called the tarot, this has been refined into the concept complex of the lightning struck tower. However, the original potentiator was light in its sudden fiery form, that is the lightning itself. So this was quite interesting. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to say about this. So, um, I mean, I, I often pull the tower card and it's kind of one of my favorites. I'm not going to lie. I know that sounds strange, but when you have a, a tower moment, that means that everything changes for you in that moment. And it's up to you if you want to decide to make the most of it or if you want to, um, you know, lie with your pity party decorations. <laughs> so, I mean, it is a moment where you have to, you know, the, the Jenga tower falls down. So then you yourself get to recreate it in a way that is best for you and everyone around you as well. And that's, again, where the choice comes into play is I can either make this all about me or I can make it about everybody. Um, and um, and I've had a few tower moments in my own life 
Um, but I'm never regretful of them. Of course, I can't say none of them were my fault or yeah. I mean, none of them were my fault. I mean, but the universe put it there, source put it there, creator put it there for me to decide what I wanted to do. It was a shift in my direction on purpose uh, to get to light a fire under my rear end. So, um, and, uh, you know, having my sudden awakening back in 2015, that was a tower moment. I mean, literally lightning, like the, the light switches came on in my brain and my spirit all of a sudden. And I was seeing in it from one minute to the next in a completely different perspective. Um, that to me is the lightning struck tower. Uh, lightning hit me. <laughs> so, and then again, it, with the car accident, you know, lightning hit me. And it was just, you know, I had to rebuild from the ground up. And I'll tell you what, I've rebuilt better than I ever have before. And it's still going. So um, yeah, it's up to us, you know, what we want to do with that moment. Um, so going on to um, question, I'm sorry, session 78, question 37. Uh, the fourth archetype, which is the emperor, seems to have to do with the experience of other selves and the green right energy center with respect to other selves. Is this correct? So they answer, yeah, this is perspective. The broad name, the broad name for archetype four may be the experience of the mind. So the emperor is, uh, the broad name for the emperor is the experience of the mind. So this is how we perceive it, as in the emperor being an archetype of ourselves. It's the experience of the mind. In the tarot, you may find the name of the emperor. Again, this implies nobility. And in this case, may be seen the suggestion that it is only through the catalyst, which it has been processed by the potentiated consciousness. Okay, remember, potentiated consciousness, meaning it's taking something from the unconscious into the conscious. Uh, that experience may ensue. Thusly, the conscious mind anomal by the use of the vast resources of the unconscious mind putting your unconscious mind to use by experiences and processing your experiences, that is the emperor of ourselves. So when I'm going throughout my day and a lot of things have happened, and then I sit in meditation at night and process it all and bring my energy back and find my lessons of the day and all of that good stuff, um, this is going to be my, my emperor self. Um, and there is another spot in here. I hope we end up going to it where um, they ask about the genders, you know, because the emperor is very masculine and, and raw kind of answers. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. It's just that the, the masculine side might be drawn to express the emperor archetype a little more. So that's why um, it's drawn as a, as a masculine. So. Um, okay. So we're going to go into session 7916. Uh, I'm going to guess that in the system of tarot, these archetypes would roughly correspond to, um, you know what? 
let's not go over that one because it's like kind of out there by themselves and I think I would have to go through that one. That's okay. Okay, that's okay. Let's go move on to the next one and I may go back to that one later on if uh, uh, we've got time. Because I'll have to go through like the whole session 79 it looks like. Uh, so let's move on to session 88, question 13. Uh, I would like to ask you, as the initial production of the tarot, where this concept was first formed, and where did the tarot, where the tarot was first recorded, where was the first concept, is what they're asking. And raw answers, the concept of tarot originated within the planetary influence of what you call Venus. Okay, so the very first time this was put into use and um, explored was... Um, in on Venus, uh, I mean, I would assume that it was during the time that Ra was in third density. I guess I can't make that assumption, but um, I'm going to go with it for now until I know otherwise. Uh, the next question was, um, was the concept given to, uh, was this concept devised for a training tool for those inhabiting Venus at the time? Or was it devised by those of Venus as a training tool for those of Earth? Very good question. Did you use it for Venus or did you use it for, in respect to Earth, you know, using the, the concepts of tarot to further their um, evolution? Um, so Ryan says, the tarot was devised by third density population of Venus, a great measure of your space time in your past. As we have noted, the third density experience um, of those at Venus dealt far more deeply and harmoniously with what you would call relationships with other selves, sexual energy transfer work, and philosophical or metaphysical research. So they were much more spiritual, it sounds like, as a collective than we are. I mean, I know we have a very good group of individuals who study uh, spiritual work, but it just, they're making it sound like there was a larger population that was in the, in, more into this type of research. Uh, the product of, of many, many generations of work upon what would be conceived, the archetypical mind ended up producing the tarot, which was used by our people as a training aid in developing the magical personality. Super interesting because when Don goes back later, I think, and asks this question, or maybe he answered it before the session, I don't know. He asked them, hey, you said you used it to, to develop the magical personality. And then Ron said saying no, but they do say we used it to get in touch with our deeper mind. So it's it's almost like one if a question is asked one way, then it gets a different answer and you might answer it a different way with the same kind of intention, but you might get even a completely other answer. So just pointing that out. But um, the next question was, I'll, I'll make a guess at those of Venus third density. Who are the initial ones to partially penetrate the veil? Gleaned information as to the nature of the archetypical mind and the veiling process in from this design the tarot as a method of teaching others. Is this correct? Ross says yes. So, um, okay. 
I guess I answered my own assumption and that, yeah, they were, but I guess it doesn't say, um, raw was the ones in third density using it, but that's okay. Um, yeah. So this one, this next one is really good. I really hope that I get to the ones that were, that blew my mind. I mean, they all do. Um, question 16, I will also assume, which may not be correct, that the present list I have of the 22 names of the tarot cards are not in exact agreement with Ra's original generation of tarot. Could you describe the original tarot um, first telling me if there were 22 archetypes, that must be the same. And if there were the same as the list that I have read you in a previous session, or if there are any differences. So Ryan says, as we have stated previously, each, each archetype is a concept complex and may not may be viewed not only by individuals, but by those the same racial and planetary influences in unique ways. Therefore, it is not informative to reconstruct um, the rather minor differences in descriptive terms between the tarot used by us and those of Egypt and the spiritual descendants of those first students of this system of study. Um, super interesting comment. So uh, pretty much what they're saying is, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. Don't confuse what we used versus what those in Egypt might have used. Um, you know, and in, in readings, Everybody has their own flow. Everybody has their own way of reading. And I really think what matters is the end result on how you get the impression. You might get there a different way from the way that you your distortions are. Um, but um, what I found interesting is uh, how Ross said, um, uh, you don't really discriminate between the differences between the tarot used by us and those used by Egypt and the spiritual descendants of those first students. Um, the one great breakthrough which was made after our work in third density was done was the proper emphasis given to the arcanum number 22, which we have called the choice. In our experience, we were aware that such a unifying archetype existed, but did not give that archetype the proper complex of concepts. In order to most uh, uh, efficiently use that archetype in order to promote our evolution. So that is one thing I do want to talk about for a moment. So um, after I, I read this last night, it just blew my mind because I got up a couple of my own decks. Uh, and the the one deck that I mainly um, resonate with the most is the Starman uh, tarot deck, which was David Bowie's artist. But I pulled out all of my major arcana. And there's only 21. The choice is not on here. So, you know, I'm like, I, I think what I'm going to do actually is like go to um, somehow create my own. I'll figure it out because <laughs> so, I want to make the choice in there because it is really interesting. So after I read this one, I went into something completely different and ended up finding this website. Um, and it, it goes through 
what's called the Fool's Journey. So the entire major arcana from zero to 21 um, involve um, uh, pretty much the Fool's Journey, which is also known as the uh, the Hero's Journey. Same thing, right? Because the Fool is a person that uh, kind of jumps into things, and but is also not afraid to like put themselves in, in front of a truck to save somebody else, or to to jump into a burning building and save you know children or whatever is going on. Um, but they also do that to themselves. You know, they kind of jump into situations where eventually they're like, "What have I gotten myself into?" <laughs> so, you know, I want to build this. I want to build this, uh, you know, huge structure. Okay, well, that sounds good. Let's do it. And then, you know, sooner or later, like, oh, man, what did I do? But anyway, this website goes through um, pretty much the fool's journey and creates a story about how, um, or the hero's journey, goes through and really kind of fills in the blanks on how it all works. You know, first we're the fool, right? Uh, open-minded, eager to take on the world, he's naive a little bit, and the difficulties doesn't really understand the full concept. Um, but then we go to the magician, uh, and then um, uh, he really does have a whole lot of high potential, and he really can create anything. Us humans can create anything if we really put our focus on something that we want. And then learn the appropriate lessons along the way and take the appropriate actions in that, of course. So then we go to being the high priestess. This is the high priestess moment where we're getting a lot of intuition and the feminine behind us all. Um, and we do kind of discover that intuition almost and then, um, you know, uh, start kind of acting on the intuition. So it's kind of a, a feminine aspect of the magician. Then we go and we meet uh, the empress. You know, the empress is the motherly nurturer figure in that. So, um, and we can also embody that in certain situations when we need to. Um, then we can be the emperor. Okay. So, it, and um, we, we know when we really need to display leadership and authority uh, in, in certain time and place. Uh, the Hierophant, of course, and this is understanding societal norms, you know, how to function in society, those types of things. So I can be, um, you know, the the empress while I'm at home. And then when I'm when I'm out in society, you know, at the grocery store, I kind of have to turn into the Hierophant a little bit. So um, and when I'm also teaching when I'm out. So and then, of course. Uh, the lovers, which is if we're going from like birth to um, the end of your journey here, you know, this would be probably teenager, early 20s or something like that. But uh, this could be any stage of our life, really. It really can. And we can kind of go in and out of these stages as needed um, as new situations arise and that. So um, the chariot and we kind of discover the chariot archetype of ourselves uh, we're now a, a mature adult um, deciding who we are or have decided who we are. And, you know, I didn't decide who I was until recently. So, you know, this can happen anytime too. But 
Um, as far as, uh, you know, embodying that archetype, it really can be, you know, going into a certain situation where you really have to be confident about who you are and you cannot let your guard down because, uh, or for fear of um, uh, any kind of criticism or anything like that, like the way to divert that is to embody the, the, the chariot. You know, I, I'm perfectly good with my identity and who I am and that. Um, so, uh, of course, staying level, level-headed and not letting the emotions get the best of you. Um, strength, you know, we get a lesson in strength at some time, um, and this can be, and going off to having a debate with somebody in the family or a friend or in an instant with a stranger, you know, you have to, um, you know, embody that strength archetype. Um, the hermit, of course, um, my favorite because I've been a hermit for the last couple of years and I'm actually just now kind of starting to associate with the world around me, but I've come back with all this, this knowledge and I want to share it. So, and it's working. Um, of course, the, but being the hermit kind of allows us to um, really reflect and really be in that solitude and, um, really understand our own mind and spirit and body better and, um, yeah, and so on and so forth. Uh, the Wheel of Fortune um, represents, you know, the, the ever-turning wheel of the universe in that. So uh, when I'm reading this card, I like to put in a lot of, um, you know, the, the Wheel of Karma, of course, you know, breaking patterns, mental patterns, physical patterns, those types of things, or patterns with the reactions. Um, and, but that kind of empowers us. It really does when we break those patterns, uh, that we are the real creators of our own destiny. Then we have the justice. Um, and this is either um, justice honest or justice, you know, as far as um, anyone who has uh, done wrong against us and that but sometimes we do need to leave that justice up to karma um, but um, understands that we are not perfect of course and that we do need to hold ourselves accountable for things and um, of course leave it up to others you know that they've also got to take action and hold themselves accountable as well then we have the hanged man um, this is all about surrendering it really is it's about letting go and going with the flow, realizing that everything is perfectly imperfect, you know, um, going with the flow. So get out, getting out of your own way. Uh, in some certain circumstances, the hangman, and with some people I've read, and it's like having that different perspective, like finally having a different perspective or understanding that other people have a different perspective and that's okay. So... Um, enjoying a state of peace. Then we have death, and I love this card too. I love all of the cards that are supposed to be bad. <laughs> but it's, to me, it's a rebirth. To me, it is an absolute, you, sometimes we kind of have to let our old self die to really be, take on this new role and become what we're supposed to be. So that's why I like it. Um, purging of negativity. Uh, conducting with higher self and that. Then we have temperance, which, temperance, which is all about uh, balancing those emotions, of course. Um, 
the the devil card um you know and this is all about the that darkness within ourselves um, outside force usually it's usually something that takes hold of us where we're in a negative mental pattern or something like that um, then we have the tower of course i've talked about that um the star is after comes after the devil is eliminated in himself and then you come into alignment uh with yourself and your own uh higher self the moon then the sun then judgment and then um then the world so i'm half convinced that i think the choice is the world so once you've completed all of those then it's like you have the world because the the last sentence in this entire um this entire blog is the fool has inherited the world and this is a moment when you really step back out and you're really showing off your, your gifts to help others so but this is where the choice comes in handy because um we can either choose to do that for ourselves and have all these riches for ourselves or we can really create something that is to manifest something that benefits community benefits the world you know um you know help each other willing to help each other and willing to barter and uh to get things done so that everybody uh, for the best of all for the best of all but after i read this i went into a long rabbit hole in the bible actually about how um you know the uh, the righteous inherit the earth because i'm like oh that's interesting so this really is all about a collective uh hero's journey or fool's journey and it's kind of um how we all do honestly you know is 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 how we get through this how do we all do during this whole collective dark night of the soul you know so that I didn't actually mean to read all of that, but it was really good. I mean, I really enjoyed that perspective of it. That, is, that was not my work somebody else put together. Again, that um, that link is up here at the top. intsouls.com. She did wonderful work. But I wanted to emphasize on the choice there because it is his third density. So once we get through the the fool's journey we still have to make a choice um and then what comes after i don't know i guess living that role living that role and embodying that role uh, and learning how to embody these archetypes at will or uh whatever may come so be like water be like water was what comes after okay so going on um this is session 88 question 18 i will ask the following questions to clear up the possibility only the method of teaching these concepts may give me important clues to understanding the concept themselves <clears throat> did ra use similar to the tarot cards for the training purpose in third density the answer no um okay uh, all right so let's just move on. I don't want to take up too much time with that because they, I think they go into a deeper discussion with it. So, okay, yeah, we will. What did Ra use in third density? Um, 
magical visualizations, the mental configuration sometimes rather complex. Those are mental and drawn in the mind. Another well-known in your culture is visualizations, the distortion of the law of one, I'm sorry, the love of the one infinite creator called Christianity, wherein a small portion of your foodstuffs can be seen as a mental configuration, but entirely a real man known to you as Yehoshua, as you call essentially now Jesus. I remember going over this before. Um, so they use a lot of visualizations, I think is what they're trying to say. Um, and I do that a lot. I do that a lot, sometimes unintentionally. Um, and then I find myself, um, I don't know, I, I've mentioned before, like the whole remote viewing is taken off and I'm not doing it on purpose. So I'm really trying to um, learn how to control that a little bit better. So, um, so I'm not trying to spy on people by any means. It's not what I'm trying to do. Anyway, so what they're saying, though, is they were able to, <clears throat> I think I remember talking before when I went over this, was they were able to contact a, a certain group before that were Christian uh, because it was a distortion of the law of one. But they were envisioning their food, you know, which is communion. They were envisioning their food as being one with uh, the creator, you know, you know, in the church where I grew up with my grandpa was deacon, we had bread, you know, we take the bread, this is the body of Jesus Christ, and you are one with it, and we had, uh, well, we had grape juice, we didn't have wine, but, um, you know, we take this, this wine, and um, this is the blood of Christ in that, and you are one with it, um, so envisioning that you are one with what you are eating, and it is also the one infinite creator, um, in essence, I can really see how that would raise your vibration and kind of help you with that understanding and that. So, um, okay, so I'll go on with this one, actually. How did the teacher relay information to the student with respect to visualization? That's a great question, because if you're visualizing at all, how are you teaching anything if it's just all visualization? Um so then the answer was uh, Kabbalistic, of course, the oral tradition of mouth to ear. So you would visualize and then speak it. Uh, then when Ra attempted to teach the Egyptians the concepts of tarot was the same process used, or a different one. Uh, same process was used. However, those which were teach learners after us first drew these images with the best of their ability within the place of initiation and later began use of what you call cards bearing these visualizations representations. So, okay. All right, I do wanna go over one more of this. Uh, where the court arcana and the minor arcana, a portion in Ron's teachings, or was this something that came along later? So this is the, the court arcana, it's like your princess and pages and all that. Uh, minor arcana or your number cards. Um, uh, Ryan says, those cards of which you speak were the product of the influence of what you call Chaldean Sumer, so, so the Sumerians. Let's go back. Okay. All right. So this is in regards to, uh, this is question, 23. This is in regards to 
how they were speaking about how it's a form of divination. So they wanted clarification on that. Um, and Ryan's answer is we must first divorce the tarot as a method, method of divination from this major arcana as a representative of 22 archetypes of the archetypical minds. They're saying, actually, you, you need to kind of keep both separate. We didn't really intend for the major arcana, the major arcana to be used as divination. We really gave you those um, as a form to get to know your own mind better or your own complex better. Let's put it that way. Uh, but I will go on and read. Um, the value of what you call astrology is significant when used by those initiated entities. If you pardon the misnomer, that sometimes um, integrate considerations of the law of confusion, law of free will, as each planetary influence enters the energy web of your sphere, those upon the sphere are moved to moved much as the moon, which moves about your sphere, moves the waters upon your depths. Your own nature is water, and that you as a mind-body-spirit complex, are easily impressed and moved. Indeed, this is the very fiber and nature of your journey and vigil in this density, to not only be moved, but to instruct yourself as to the preferred manner of your movement and mind, body, and spirit. They're talking about the moon. Okay. Um. And I mean, it's a little interesting considering what we know about the moon, but, it, and I know you guys know how the tide works and how it pulls on water, but they really bring in a great point that we are also water. So it's kind of raising us up a little bit. It's like a personal tide that we have going on for uh, full moons, especially. Um, and this is why it's like, uh really good to do a, a positive thoughts and positive manifestings around the um the the full moon and that so but it says you know um what was it uh, uh yeah this is the very fiber and nature of your journey so that's the moon moving us up and down like that's it almost to me when I was reading this last night seemed like they were saying like the whole reason why you're going through all this journey and evolution in that is from is because of the moon. So um, uh, not to be moved, but to instruct yourself is the preferred manner of your movement, the preferred manner of your movement. So this is manifesting preferred manner of your movement. Which direction do I want to go? What do I want to manifest for myself and my family or my friends or, you know, for everybody as a collective as a whole? Um, therefore, each entity enters the planetary energy web. Each entity experiences two major planetary uh, influxes. That of the conception, um, which has to do with the physical yellow ray manifestation of the incarnation okay so conception and that moment you call birth so this is two completely different things so and we, nobody knows like when we're conceived and i don't think that there's any way to you know scientifically find that out so what we use here is mainly our 
our birth when the breath is first drawn into the body complex of chemical yellow ray. Those who know the stars and their configurations and influence are able to see a rather broadly drawn map of the country through which an entity has traveled, is traveling, or may be expected to travel, be it upon the physical, the mental, or the spiritual level. So helping knowing astrology helps um, understand the archetypes a little bit in a matter of um, what we're manifesting for ourselves. Such an entity will have developed abilities of the initiate, which are normally known among your peoples as psychic or paranormal. Um, and I, I went into, uh, I think it was after I read this last night, I went into a thought where I'm like, well, okay, they say the word initiate a lot and they say the word adept a lot. So what's the difference? I mean, is an adept a studier, a seeker? And then once you kind of get past a point in your um, seeking and studying, do, at what point do you become an initiate? Okay, and we do know uh, from last week's session that uh, once somebody became an initiate, then they went into um, into the temples and learned about tarot. They started learning tarot. So, um, but, uh, of course, the archetypes as well. So, yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't know that to be an absolute fact that that's the difference. You know, uh, to me, I kind of went along this whole time thinking they were the same, but I'm pretty, I think they're actually two different things. I think you're an adept and then you're the, um, uh, the initiate. And then the abilities of the initiate, which is what you, we would know as psychic or paranormal. Honestly, I mean, when I first started realizing how my own empathy was working and how my own impressions were working and, and that, I realized that it's been happening all the time. <clears throat> it's been happening forever. I just didn't realize it. But now it's like I see that now. No wonder I've been a basket case <laughs> because I didn't know that's what that was. <laughs> so now I see it. Now I can kind of really, really work with it a little bit. But, you know, maybe that's the point where we can really just come into our own. Um, when the archetypes are shuffled into the mix of astrologically oriented cards, uh, from which form the so-called court arcana and major arcana, these archetypes become magnetized to the psychic impressions of the one working the cards and thusly become instruments of a linkage between the practitioner of the astrological determinations and divinations and the one requesting information. Oftentimes, such archetypical representations will appear in such a manner as to have a seemingly interesting results, meaningful in configuration to the questioner. So when this happens, when somebody's really, really uh, picking up on the cards from, you know, the impressions that the the uh, the person being read um, put into, but also the ability of the actual reader to see these impressions go certain things. Um, the and I I will admit I'm feeling this sentence. They will have meaningful in the configurations to the questioner. Because there are many times where I don't even know what the meaning 
meaning of it all is. And of course, the questioner knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> so nine times out of 10, I really like to have a small session afterwards, uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes at, at the most, just to, just to go over what made sense to them and then give a little advice, you know, uh, on, on how to proceed from there. So, uh, of course, and also I'm seeing, when I'm reading it, I'm seeing things into me, not realizing that it's actually them, but I'm seeing it as it's like it's happening to me or my own personal life. Um, and the, the situation might be a little bit different, but when I'm describing it, they're like, yeah, that's totally what's going on. So, um, so then afterwards, I'm like, tell me what's going on. Cause I mean, I, the way I see it is very personal. You know, I know what it's, it means more to you. So let's talk about this a little bit and give a little advice. So, um, in and of themselves of major arcana have no rightful place in divination, but rather are tools for a few further knowledge of the self by the self for the purpose of entering a more profoundly acutely realized present moment. This is the part where I was talking about earlier. Uh, technically they say like the, the major arcana really aren't meant to be read from. They're really just a tool for us to get to know each archetype uh, and maybe pull a card, you know, a day in the morning, or if there's a certain situation um, that we need guidance on, we can pull a major arcana card. I separated my major from the other ones uh, earlier because uh, I read this last night. And I'm like, I'm going to start doing that and, and see which archetype would be most appropriate and which whatever situation is going on or for the day. They're really meant for us. They're really not meant to be um, uh, divination. Okay. So they go into a little bit about, um, and I know Mike has the site for the actual tarot that they recopied because they actually went through and like recopied a lot of the, the major arcana during these sessions. I don't have it. I want to get that from him or um, I'll find it from somewhere. Um, but they, they ask about uh, the, the, the tarot cards that they have, which have been copied according to information we have from the walls of the large pyramid at Giza. If necessary, we can duplicate the cards in the book that we are preparing. I would ask Roth, these cards represent an exact replica of which is in the Great Pyramid. And Ra answers, the resemblance is pretty substantial. So maybe not perfect, but pretty close. Uh, okay. This is, so I will go over this one again because they re-ask it and then they get a different answer about developing the magical personality. You stated Ra used here to develop the magical personality. Um, and the, they answer, the clothing oneself within the archetype is an advanced practice of the adept, which has long studied this archetypical system. The concept complexes, which together are intended to represent the architecture of a significant and rich portion of the mind, are intended to be studied as individual concept complexes, such as matrix potentiator, etc. 
and viewing mind-body-spirit connections and in pairs with some concentration upon the polarity of the male and the female. If these are studied, there comes a moment when the deep throw dives and joyful ditties of the deep mind can be successfully brought forward to intensify, articulate, and heighten some aspect of the magical personality. So like, yes, I don't know why they had to go through all the, <laughs> I mean, so like, yeah, but they, they, they did, they, they used it to get in touch with their deeper mind. And when you really get in touch more with your deeper mind and how your own mind works, then yeah, you do bring forth a little bit of that aspect of the, the magical personality, which is also known as uh, the higher self. So um does anybody have any questions so far i i know i've been talking for a little bit of time okay i'll peek in at you guys in a minute okay so they do talk a little bit about the um the magician my favorite in archetype number one Represented by Tarot number one, the matrix of the mind seems to me have four basic parts. And they're talking about the tarot decks that they have, by the way. Looking at the card we have, first and most obvious, the magician is a part. And what seems to be an approaching star, a stork or similar bird, seems to be in a cage. On top of the cage, we have something that is very difficult to discern. Am I in any way correct? And they answer, and they give a little bit more detail. Uh, you are competent of you in pictures. Good for you. Way to go. <laughs> you have not grasped the nature of the matrix of the mind as fully as is reliably possible upon contemplation. We would note that the representation drawn by priests were somewhat distorted by acquaintance with and dependence upon the astrologically based teachings of the Chaldees. Okay. Now what, and they've, they've said it at least three times, you know, in the sessions that I read over the last couple of weeks and they really focused on, there was a lot of influence. I mean, yes, they came to, to Egypt through dreams and visions with these priests to give them their version of tarot, but there was a lot of influence from the Sumerians and the Chaldeans. Um, the Chaldeans and the Sumerians put more of an astrological spin on the tarot when they're really meant to be a separate thing. But it does help to know both, <laughs> I guess. I guess what they're saying is it's, no, we didn't teach the astrological. We, we taught the, the archetypes. Uh, when Ra originally trained or taught the Egyptian tarot, um, did Ra act as teach learners to a degree that Ra became learned teachers? They said this distortion we were spared. <laughs> Meaning they, they're saying the Egyptians really didn't teach them a whole lot of anything. Uh, I mean, they, they taught the Egyptians, but it was uh, didn't really go away the, the other way around. In fact, I think we went over Egypt. It's been a while back, but they were saying we didn't really land because they didn't really see us as other selves at that point. So we, we went ahead and just left. Um, 
Let me. I'm going to go over one more, I think, and then I know I've been talking for quite some time. Um, and then we'll have to do a part three because there's way too much more. I'm only halfway down here on the results. So we'll go over one more and then we'll we'll call it a night. Um, so this is session 89, question 25. Uh, would it be appropriate for me to answer with questions respect to what is the meaning of three items that you spoke of for card one and card eight? Um, what they what they really go into is how they're placed, how we should kind of look into the symbolism. It was our intention to suggest that one or more of the we have suggested. The queries having to do with the archetypes is found in the tarot after this point may take the form of observing what seem to be the characteristics of each archetype. The relationship between the mind, body, and spiritual archetypes of the same ranking, such as matrix, or archetypes seen in relationship to polarity, especially when observed in the pairings. Okay. Any observations made by a student which has fulfilled these considerations will receive our comments in return. Our great avoidance of interpreting for the first time for the learner the learn teacher, various elements of a picture upon a piece of pasteboard is involved both with the law of confusion, law of free will, and with the difficulties of the distortions of the pictures upon the pasteboard. So there's, yeah, it's, they're talking about looking at the pictures. <laughs> Therefore, we may suggest a conscientious review of that which we have already given concerning this subject as opposed to the minor the major reliance being either upon any rendition of archetype pictures or any system that has been arranged as a means of studying these pictures so you can look at pictures all day long but you really got to know what your symbolism and what what do you feel that means to you and it means something different to anybody such as um you know, I'll go over, I just pulled the world card out of my deck. So the world, that's number 21. You could put, I, I found myself putting a lot of numerology in my readings, and I've never studied numerology, but numbers have a specific meaning to my own self. So uh, card number 21, that's equinox energy. I was born on an equinox. So that's equidistance of light and day, or equal time of light and day, um, light and darkness, and the meeting, um, you know, the, the balancing, the, co the collective, you know, the world. So um, it's putting meaning into the pictures uh, and what you're feeling the meaning are. I'm telling you, you know, not one or not two readings are the same uh, for a reason. It can be different situations of what impressions are you getting uh, during this time or that time. So um, I hope that makes sense to everybody. And uh, we're going to call this one a night, but I will have to do a part three. So definitely uh, keep watching for that uh, next week or uh, the week after. So I appreciate it. And Mr. Craig, if you want to stop recording.